This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem Thalika min anba'il ghaybi nuhihi ilayk وَمَا كُنْتَ لَدَيْهِمْ إِذْ أَجْمَعُوا أَمْرَهُمْ وَهُمْ يَمْكُرُونَ رب الشحل صدري ويسر لي أمري وحلو العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد once again everybody السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته and I'd like to start by welcoming all of you to the final passage of Surah Yusuf, alhamdulillah, we finally reached the um, the conclusion of the surah. Uh, it's going to be quite a bit of work going through this passage. And today I had to really just sit there and, you know, find empty shelves in my brain somewhere to figure out how to present the lessons for today to you in a coherent way. So I pray to Allah Azza wa Jalla in the very beginning, Rabbi Shahli Sadri wa Yassirli Amri wa Hlul Uqtata min Lisani Yafqahu Qawli. That Allah Azza wa Jalla remove the knot from my tongue and make me able to speak in a way that you're able to understand. I know that it's late. It's late because I was doing extra homework on not just the study of it, but figuring out how to present this stuff uh, to you. Um, so, you know, if you guys get, I mean, if it's late for a lot of you. So if you guys get sleepy, it's okay. Just turn it off and go to sleep and then watch it later or something. But I, I really do think you'll benefit, inshallah, from um, what I... Come, have come to benefit from quite a bit actually in today's study. So let's get started. We are now in uh, ayah number 102, and from 102 to 111, Allah will be talking directly to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So there's a, a switch that's happened. Now Allah is not telling us the story anymore, and now He's turning His attention to Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. This is important because this is Allah's way of not ending the surah when the story ended, but ending the surah with talking to the Prophet sallallahu Now, why is that significant? That's letting us know that all of that story was first and foremost for you, ya Habibina sallallahu alaihi wasallam. It was for our messenger, alaihissalam, first and foremost. We're all audiences of the surah. These are ayat lisa'ideen. But the first beneficiary of this surah, the first person to find comfort in this surah, the first person to find healing in this surah, the first person that received this surah as a gift personally for himself is our Messenger. And that's important because then we feel honored that we are getting the same gift, that special gift. And then when we find comfort in this surah and relief in this surah, that we're actually reliving something. Our Messenger relived or lived through also himself, and it creates a kind of beautiful connection between ourselves and our Messenger. The other interesting thing about this is that um, this surah is Makki, arguably um, late Makki, um, you know, and there's there's interesting extrapolations, probably. So, you know, there's uh, Sheikh Suhaib was telling me he, could, he couldn't find any explicit narrations about it being from Amul Huzn, which I said in the beginning, the year of sorrow. But it, it does have correlation to sorrow. So perhaps that's why that's become more popular. We'll dig into that towards the end when we try to correlate this with the seerah of the Prophet. But regardless, the last thing we read from the words of Yusuf was, Join me with the company of righteous people. That was the last phrase of ayah number 101. 
That's the prayer of Yusuf at the end of that saga. The Prophet ﷺ, while he's reciting this, is still in Mecca. And arguably towards the end of his, he doesn't know what the end means. We can look back and say, oh, yeah, then he moved to Medina, ﷺ. But he doesn't know that. He He's living in that moment and he's just going from that struggle day to day to day with no end in sight. Which is why even learning from Yaqub is important for him because he doesn't know when relief from Allah will come, right? So interestingly enough, pretty soon Allah will open a door for our Prophet and he will be joining the company of good people. So they're going to he's going to be joining in Medina. And in a sense, the wording of that dua, which is of Yusuf, which even means for the akhirah, in the worldly sense, is about to get fulfilled for the Prophet. So even in a thematic sense, there's a there's a flowing into the Prophet's life, alayhi salatu wasalam. Anyhow, so the ayah says, ذَلِكَ مِنْ أَنْبَاءِ الْغَيْبِ نُحِيهِ إِلَيْكَ Of course, as always, I'll start with a shallow, just a surface translation. That is from the news of the unseen um, that we, and نُحِيهِ إِلَيْكَ is the second khabar, that is something we have inspired to you. That is what we have inspired to you, we've revealed to you. And you weren't in their company. You weren't right by them. When they all gathered their resolve, when they all made up their mind and were completely committed to doing the wrong thing, as they were engaged in scheming. So this most obviously seems to be talking about the brothers of Yusuf way in the beginning when they gathered their resolve to do something with Yusuf as they were engaged in that scheming. That's what this comment is on, right? Uh, Ibn Ashur rahimahullah takes a broader view of this ayah. He says that this last phrase, when they gathered their resolve as they were scheming, is actually a commentary about all the characters in the story that gathered their resolve and schemed, which started with the brothers of Yusuf. Because you know here the ayah says, when they gathered their resolve, it doesn't say when the brothers of Yusuf gathered their resolve. Right, it simply says they ajma'u amrahum wa hum yamkurun. The pronoun is they, right? So they can include anybody. It's anybody aforementioned. So, well, the first group mentioned was the brothers of Yusuf, salam. Sure, that applies to them. In fact, the word is mimicking or, or mirroring something they said before. ajma'u. So they they you know they gathered, and that also meant they gathered their resolve. So the verb has been used for them when they had made up their mind to do this to Yusuf. But the echoes or the ripple effects of people scheming or making a decision to do something bad secretly is something a theme that continued in the surah, isn't it? Because the people that found him in the well gathered their resolve to hide him and sell him. And then the master gathered his resolve to not reunite him with his family and keep him as a slave. And then the wife's minister gathered her resolve to engage in her scheme. And then the minister gathered his resolve along with his other political buddies to just keep Yusuf in prison and not let him resurface. You know, and yushjana hattahin, so that he will remain, that he shall remain in prison until a given time. They saw, you know, after the signs that this might become too much of a scandal, we should keep him in prison. So people have schemed throughout the surah. Right, and so Allah says, "You weren't with them when they gathered their resolve, and they were scheming." And it's interesting that even though in the literally literal reading of this ayah, we're obviously referring to the characters in the story, right? They gathered their resolve; they were the ones scheming. 
it's particularly resonating with the Prophet ﷺ because in fact, in this struggle in Mecca, there are lots of his own brethren, people of his own tribe, that are gathering their resolve and scheming. And he's not, he's not you know, a company to that scheme. He doesn't know that that is happening. And he, Allah says, you weren't with them way back then, and you're not with them now, the ones that are, that are here now. It's as if the Prophet ﷺ is being told, Allah made you witness, made you a party to a, such a private conversation that these brothers made sure nobody would hear them when they talk about Yusuf and what to do with him, right? Nobody should be witness to this conversation the way that they were discussing it. In fact, even the Bible doesn't describe it in these words, the words that are used in the Qur'an. And what does Allah do? Allah has this the eternal recorder on, and He takes that recording clip, and He reveals it to the Prophet ﷺ as if He was there. And He says, but you weren't there when this secret conversation happened. You weren't there to know exactly what opinions were being thrown around. You weren't there when they were engaging in their, in their scheming. And look, I made I didn't even let his father know that they were scheming. He was afraid that they're scheming. They might make a scheme against you. Remember that? But he doesn't know that they're scheming something. He doesn't know that they're gonna kill him. By the way, even if he knew that they're gonna throw him in a well or try to kill him, then he would have never let him go to begin with. Right? Allah is telling something to Muhammad Rasulullah thousands of years later. That even the people at the time, nobody on earth except the brothers who were in that scheme knew. And the Prophet is being told. And in that, what is Allah telling our Messenger? He's in a sense, he's telling him, You don't have to know what everybody's scheming. I know you know, you realize too, there are people who hate you, people who hate your message, people who are completely irritated by the existence of Islam in Mecca. They can't stand that you have created such a stir. They can't stand that their son became Muslim, or their brother became Muslim, or their husband became Muslim, or their uncle became Muslim, or their nephew became Muslim. They can't stand it. It's disgusting to them. It's taking away from the tribe's strength. It's, a, it's an affront. It's spitting on their ancestral legacy. They see you as an insult to their identity. They see you as a, a national security disaster. They see you as something should be referred to the Department of Homeland Security. You are a threat to their lifestyle. They don't like you. Every time more Quran is revealed, the more they hate it. The more they hate it, the more they hate it. The more they try to suppress it, the more it's spreading. And the more it spreads, the more offensive it is to them. And therefore, in order to... And because you have tribal protection, you are from the Hashimi clan. They can't openly do things to you yet. So what are they doing? They're holding secret meetings to figure out how do we solve this Islam problem. And if you know, if you're, if you're in your life, you're in my life, if you know someone is making schemes towards you, someone's holding meetings to discuss how to wreck you, how to deal with you, how to attack you, how to destroy you, and they're holding long discussions about the game plan, and you know that that's happening. Maybe it's happening in your family. Maybe it's happening in your business. Maybe it's happening with people you thought they were your friends, whoever. Somebody, you know, with a, with a grudge towards you. Somebody with a score to settle. Whatever it may be. You know what? You don't have to know. You don't have to worry about what they're doing. You, Allah knows already. You weren't there. And look at how Allah made everything work out in the end. 
So yeah, they may scheme, they may do some harm, it may lead to several incidents of continued harm, like it did for Yusuf salam. But let me tell you, the entire scheme, وَمَكَرُوا وَمَكَرَ اللَّهُ وَاللَّهُ خَيْرُ الْمَاكِرِينَ They make schemes, Allah makes schemes. Allah is the best of all those who can make a scheme. So what Allah is telling His Prophet salam is you see how I deal with things sometimes? You see how I work things out? That's what I want you to know. So in that sense, there's a correlation between the Prophet Sallallahu and what's what's you know being shared in this remarkable uh, ayah. It's also we're gonna you know discuss a few things. If you if you think about also the correlation historically, what were the what was the scheme at the end of the day? What was the scheme and the the final sort of two options to deal with Yusuf? One option was kill him, right? And the other option was take him to some obscure obscure place. Right. So, and and by the way, what was the reason? Because then your father's love will be exclusively for you. Now, in reverse order, this happened in the Prophet's life, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. How in reverse order? Well, first, they couldn't stand that the, their loved ones are now becoming Muslim. So the only way we can get our loved ones back from being crazy is we have to get rid of Muhammad. But Muhammad sallam, is actually protected by tribe. So now we have to put all the families within Quraysh have to put pressure on Banu Hashim to figure out a way of getting them to let go of their protection of Muhammad Rasulullah and clamp down on him. And one of the things they did is they actually put a ban on the entire tribe. And during that ban, the Muslims were actually relegated to a cave for three years time, a three-year period in the seat of the Prophet They were in this valley and cave-like area, uh, you know, which is Sha'ab Abi Talib, uh, or you know, it's got different names. So that's one of its names. It was a cave, the cave of Abu Talib, or the the valley of Abu Talib, like undeveloped land out in the wilderness. Just keep them out there, boycotted, basically, because the Quraysh said, "Don't marry among them. Don't let any of don't don't marry any one of their women. Don't marry your women to them. Don't do business with them. Don't give them loans. Don't nothing. Completely boycott them. Right? Isolate them so they just disappear. And the Prophet ﷺ was in that state. In the darkness of the the you know the wilderness, like Yusuf salam was in the darkness of the well. That already happened with the Prophet. But then what was their what was their first suggestion? Let's just kill him, right? Well, eventually, when that boycott didn't even work, and the Quran's message even intensified, intensified even more in Makkah, then what was the next option? To kill Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. To kill him. And that scheme also failed. He ended up in a new place. You, you know, Yusuf ended up in a new place where he ended up seizing power. Eventually, Allah granted him power. Rasulullah ended up in a new place and Allah granted him power there. Isn't that remarkable? That the scheme that it's being referred to turned out to work. The, the, the schemes, both options failed in the case of Rasulullah. And just like they did in the case of Yusuf. But in order to really appreciate the placement of this final passage, usually what I do is I talk about how a surah is organized all the way at the end. When I'm done talking about the ayat individually and sort of um, helping you, uh, you know, uh, come to learn some of the things that I've come to learn about, you know, you know, contemplations on the ayah, readings about the ayah, things like that. And I there is more to share about this ayah, but I think. I can do a better job explaining some of these things to you if you understand the overall scheme of just the conclusion of this surah 
and how it's tied to the introduction of the surah. But one, and I want to take this really piece by piece and slow down and do it. Like I, I, I don't want to rush through that because I really like you to understand this. This is one of the most beautiful features of the style of Allah's speech, like the way Allah organizes his speech. In communication psychology, they teach you they have something called the primacy effect and the latency effect. The primacy effect suggests that when people listen to a long lecture like this one, then they tend to pay most attention to the first things that are said. And if they survive the coma, then the last things that are said. So the middle is important, sure, but the most memorable and the most effective parts of a speech are the first few moments of it or the concluding moments, right by the concluding moments of it. And if you know, good teachers will start off with high energy and end with a quick review, right? Because they want you to really grasp the concept before you, know, you leave prison or their classroom, right? So what does the Qur'an do? You'll notice in the Qur'an the, the openings of surahs and the conclusions of surahs are particularly powerful And they're particularly unique And what's really remarkable is A good speaker, before he leaves you He wants you to You know, obviously the first thing a speaker chose to say Were things he really wants to embed in your mind throughout It's like if Surat, uh, surat uh, Yusuf was a, a journey Right? The introduction is like here Put these glasses on so you can see properly so the introduction will put you the proper glasses on. Now you see things in the proper shade. You get it? And as you're leaving, you review those glasses that you had put on in the beginning. So the intros are often tied to the exits of the surahs, the endings of the surahs. We'll do that too. But right now, I want to kind of give you an overview. And I know usually I do this in like writing it out in Arabic. But I put a presentation together that I'll, I'll walk you guys through. That is actually in English And for those of you that would like to see the Arabic text uh, with it Maybe I'll make a PDF or something out of it And post it online inshallah But um, And I know when we are done with the surah Or done with the ayah by ayah study I'll do the entire surah's organization too But today I just In order to kind of do some more justice to this ayah And some of its profound teachings I do want to help you get a, a larger sense of this passage This conclusion And how it is tying everything together Okay So can you Valerie please Um Turn the screen so you won't see me, you'll see the screen. I'll miss you too. Okay. There you go. So we are in the final passage. I missed that parenthesis. That's okay. Because uh, I just made this. It's 9:30. Was it 10 o'clock at night now? My god, I'm sleeping. Okay. So this is ayah 102. That is from the news of the unseen. We have inspired it to you. You weren't with them when they gathered their scheme, or when they gathered their resolve, and they were as they were scheming. What I've written here is the word "that is news," and I kind of put that in a little bit of markings. The reason I did that is because I want you to notice elements in the speech for now. So I'll use the word "that." That's what I'm highlighting. And instead of describing the Quran as the Quran, what does he describe it as? News. And what what kind of news? News. What's the news source? The news source is the world that is unseen to you, right? Min ambai al So I highlighted the word unseen as just an element in the speech. Then, of course, then he says nuhihi ilayk, and we're going to come back to this piece by piece when we analyze. But right now, I just want to introduce you to it. Right? We inspired it to you. So this un this unseen source. When you say, well, it's unseen, then what's the origin? If it's unseen, then that's answered immediately by the words Nuhihi, we inspired it, meaning we are the origin. 
and the the the, the source delivered it straight on to you ilayka and then he says and only we could have because no history recorded it the way that Allah is the witness to it ma yakunu min najwa thalathatin illa huwa rabi'uhum wala you know wala arba'atin wa huwa khamisuhum wala adna wa khamsatin wa huwa sadisuhum wala adna min dhalika wala akthara illa huwa ma'ahum aina ma kanu Allah says there's no secret council that ever happens of, of three people that Allah is the fourth one among them or five people and Allah is the sixth one among them or less than that or more than that. He's always with them. He was the one. He's the only other witness that could tell you exactly what happened. So Nuhihi ilayk. And he says you weren't there when they were scheming. So I just put dot 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 about the they were scheming part, right? <clears throat> Emphasizing what? You couldn't possibly have known. There was no way for you to have access to this, right? That's 102. Then I'm putting 103 all the way to 110 together. I'm bunching it all together. That's a pretty, it's like a passage inside the passage. And that entire passage, I'll read the translation to you quickly. So you get a, a picture of what I'm trying to capture in some of these words. What I've written here is commentary on the audience of the Prophet and what he should do. What's, who's the audience at the time? The Quraysh, right? The majority of people that were idol worshipping, were part of his clan, and were refusing to believe in him. So let's listen to what Allah says about them quickly. The, this is not the tafsir of the ayat, it's just a translation. Most people, no matter how much you desire it, were not, are not going to become believers. And you're not asking them compensation for delivering this message to them. Um, it's nothing but a reminder for all nations and all peoples And how many a miraculous sign in the skies and in the earth Is it that they pass over And they are completely oblivious to them They completely ignore them deliberately and most people will not believe in Allah except that they're going to do shirk at the same time. Are they feeling safe? That feeling safe from the fact that a an over hovering punishment, over a hovering you know disaster from within Allah's punishment will will come and attack them. Or the hour itself will approach them and attack them all of a sudden And they won't even realize it Are they feeling safe from that reality? Tell them this is my path I'm inviting to Allah with clear insight I and whoever follows me And I declare Allah's perfection And I am not from those who commit shirk who, who associate anyone with Allah And we didn't send from, from much before you Or any time before you Except men that we inspired to From the people of the great towns Didn't they then travel in the land? Didn't they go about in the land? And didn't they take a look for themselves? Then, what turned out to be the outcome for those who came so much before them? And there, truly, the, the, and the truth is that the home of the afterlife is better for those who protected themselves, those who were conscious. Then don't you think, don't you apply your intellect? 
until the moment when even the messengers were about to lose hope. And they were convinced that they have been considered liars. They have been lied about or, or, or lied against. Our aid came to them. So we rescue whoever we want. And our punishment and our war is not going to be turned away from the criminal people. That's actually 103 to 110. That was the passage. Notice, all of it was, they're not going to believe. Most of them do shirk. And even the messengers sometimes lost hope. Our message, our, our final judgment will come. Well, how did I summarize all of that? That's one theme, right? That's all one subject. You can see that. 103 to 110. And I summarize that here as a commentary on the audience of the Prophet ﷺ and what he should do. And basically at the end of the day, what are the few things he should do? One, he should declare that this is, I'm calling to Allah with eyes open. I'm not going to do shirk. Then he's being told, listen, you're not the first one to do this. Messengers came before you too. They had to go through this too. And the people who have taqwa, the afterlife is coming for them. You just giving, keep giving them this good news. Then he's told, you know, even messengers before you were about to lose hope too. They were also convinced that nobody's going to believe them. They've been lied against. But our aid came eventually, didn't it? And trust me, those people that are doing wrong to you, our punishment is not going to be turned away from them. So this is all a commentary on the stubbornness of disbelievers. And then on top of that, a hope and a, an empowerment of Rasulullah wasallam. I hope you see that, right? Now, notice in the PowerPoint presentation, I made this box black also. The reason I made this black also is something I'll explain a little bit later on, but the colors have, there's a method to the madness. So let me move on. So by the way, the ending of the surah is 102 all the way to 111. And we're already up to 110, right? Already up to 110. But I'm going to break up 111 into two parts. The first part is, لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي قَصَصِهِمْ عِبْرَةٌ الْأَلْبَابِ In their stories, in their narratives, there is a profound moving lesson for people of pure minds. So Allah makes it, and the word stories is the word qasas. So now what is Allah telling us? The purpose for which he told this story. And who was this story for? Who are these stories in the Quran for? People that have sound minds. That's something that will require analysis on our part. But what I wanted to highlight here for the purpose of this overview is that Allah said something about the purpose of stories altogether. And what's the word for stories? Qasas. Okay. Finally, ma kana hadithan yuftara. I'll translate and you'll see my summarized notes. Ma kana hadithan yuftara. It is not a speech that's been made up. Walakin However, it's a confirmation of something that came ahead of it. Meaning it's referring to previous scripture and it confirms the truth of what came before it. Wa kulli shay'. And it is an exhaustive explanation of all things. Wahudan and a guidance. Warahmatan and a loving act of mercy. yu'minun for a group of people for any group of people that wants to have faith. That's the concluding statement. Now, what are some things there? It's basically comments about the Quran, if you notice, right? First he says it's not made up speech. Then he says, what's the other rule? First of all, Quran isn't made up speech. Second of all, it confirms previous scripture. Third of all, it explains all things. Fourth of all, it's a guidance. Fifth of all, it's a mercy. You see all of those things are descriptions of the Quran. Is that clear? 
Okay, so now this is kind of what's going on at the end of the surah from 102 all the way to 111. So now pay attention. This is a summary of ayahs number one and two. I'll open them in front of me so I can read them instead of just saying them from memory. Alif Lam Ra Tilka Ayatul Kitabin Mubi. Now listen to as I'm not reading from the slide, I'm reading from Quran. But you're looking at the slide, yeah? Alif Lam Ra Tilka Ayatul Kitabil Mubin Inna Anzalahu Quran and Arabian Laalakum Taqilun. Alif Lam Ra. Those are the miraculous signs of the book that clarifies. The clarifying book. The clear, actually, I should say the clear and clarifying book. It is no doubt we, in fact, we have sent down an Arabic recital so that all of you can understand. That's the that's a summary. And now what, what are the features I put in there? They're, they're ayat, they're of the clarifying book. It's an Arabic recital for you to understand. These are the, some of the core elements of ayah one and two, right? As you heard the translation. So that's that's my summary there. Then Allah says, This is the first part of ayah number three. That's why I'm calling it 3a. We are the ones that tell you the best of all stories. So what is Allah telling us? The origin of the story is Allah. He's the one who decides to tell how he's going to tell it. And he chose the best of all stories there could be for the purpose of the guidance he wants to deliver. Okay. Now, he says, as part of what we inspired to you, this Qur'an, meaning the stories are a part of this Qur'an that we have inspired to you, this recital that we recited, uh, revealed to you. And for sure, before this, you truly were from those who were completely unaware. And then the, the fourth ayah, the, the word when is actually from the fourth ayah, when Yusuf said to his father, okay? So this is a pretty easy summary. The first two ayat are describing the Quran. The second ayah, or the third, the third ayah in the beginning says something about the stories in the Quran, and this one in particular. And then finally, Allah says that this is part of what Allah has inspired to the Prophet in this recital, and he was completely unaware before it, right? So these are the, the elements in the beginning. Now, let's take the first element of the opening passage and the final element of the closing passage. That's what I, that's all you're seeing right now. I erased everything else. Well, you can think of it this way. You can think of it as Allah has explained the opening in the closing. Allah has further reviewed, reinforced, and then added to our understanding of the opening. In the opening, He said, "The those." Are the ayat of the book. Let me tell you about the word though. First of all, he said Alif Lam Ra. Alif Lam Ra is not something human beings ever said before the Quran. Like Alif Lam Mim, like Kaf Haya This was not human speech, right? Notice at the end, it is not made up speech. <laughs> then he said Tilka. Those are. Those are ayat of the book. The word those refers to something far away. If something is close, you say what? These, right? Calling it those means it comes from a distant origin, meaning it comes from above the seventh heaven from Lohul Mahfuz. Again, reinforcing what? That it's not made up speech. It wasn't created here. It's coming from divine origin. And if it's not made up speech, then what is it? No, well, let me tell you what it is. It's ayat. Ayatul Kitab. These are the miraculous signs of the book. And notice by calling it ayat, 
Allah is separating it from speech. Human beings can have normal speech among themselves. This isn't. This can't be compared to human speech. These are miraculous signs. And then the final remarkable contrast is, it isn't speech in one sense. It's actually writing. It's kitab. Because hadith is speech, and kitab is what? Writing. The Quran is both writing and speech, but here there's an interesting contrast between kitab and hadith. Right? So what Allah said in the beginning, He, he said what the Quran is. And at the end, he starts with, let me just make clear, you understand, you know what it's not. This was also important to say you can appreciate because the, as we did the comparison with the Bible, I want you to understand. Some people say, why are you studying the Bible? It's already changed so much. What are we going to get from it? You need to understand what the world thought about Yusuf, what the world thought about Yaqub, what the world thought about Ibrahim. Before this Quran came, everybody thought what we read from the Bible, guys. That's what they knew. So when they heard this, you know what they'll say? Ah, we know the real story. This is made up. Do you understand that? They wouldn't let go of what they believe to be right. They would claim that our, our revelation, this Quran that Allah gave us, is the part that's made up. So what had to be said at the end? In the beginning it was said, what I'm about to give you is revelation. And at the end, by the way, let me just make it clear. This isn't the made up speech. And it's never been... It, it's never been speech that's been made up. Isn't that incredible? And so then, let's go to the next uh, element. I said here, clarifying book, Al-Kitab Al-Mubin. And you say, well, yes, the Quran is clarifying. And that could mean any number of things. But let me, Allah Himself says, let me explain to you what it clarifies. Number one. It clarifies by confirming the truth of previous scripture Whatever was still true in it, it confirms it and clarifies it Whatever was wrong in it, it clarifies that that was wrong You guys got it wrong, or you made, you, you made errors in it, or you changed it Isn't that clarification? And that's the final comment It clarifies the true elements of previous scripture It clarifies the lies added to previous scripture then he says, what tafsila kulli shay? It's an explanation of all kinds of things. Isn't that an explanation? Isn't that what clarification is? That you clarify all matters? And then what did Allah clarify? What does it mean to live a life of guidance? It clarified guidance. Wahudan at the end. Then what does it clarify? We think we know what mercy is. We think we know what Allah's loving care is. No, let Allah clarify what is love and what is care. What does he do out of love and care? That's not on my terms, that's on Allah's terms. Understand his speech and understand how his love and mercy work. So he says in the beginning it clarifies, and at the end he describes the confirmation. He has a clarification. Is a clarification. Hudan is a clarification. Mercy is a clarification. Rahma is a clarification. In the beginning he said, we have given an Arabic Quran. And Arabic Quran. Now think about that. Why is Arabic Quran important? And Quran actually means recital. Recital means something that is heard, not something that is read. You know, first it's actually even or heard out loud. Somebody's reading it, but you're you're listening to it. So it's an audible experience. And so as it's being heard, it's being reinforced. No, the one saying it is actually reading it, not saying it. It's not his speech. It's not hadith and yuftara. 
And then Allah is, it's almost as if it's a clarification of those two words, guidance and mercy. It is a mercy of Allah. It is a guidance from Allah that Allah chose Arabic for his final revelation. He gave this language certain abilities. He gave this language certain kind of preservation, certain kinds of qualities that made it suitable for all humanity to benefit from his final words until judgment day. All of that was because Allah decided of all languages, just like He decided of all people to choose Ibrahim salam, And then from all of His children to choose certain people to be prophets. You understand that, right? Like He chose from all of the sons of Yaqub, Yusuf salam, Like He chose from all of the Israelites, Musa salam, Like He chose from all of humanity, Muhammad Rasulullah Just like Allah chooses the messenger, the same way Allah chooses the message. Which language should the message be given in? And every messenger was chosen as an act of Allah's loving mercy for people, yes or no? Then the fact that the Qur'an is in Arabic is actually for our guidance and is an act of Allah's love and Allah's care for us. This is why Allah chose the an Arabic. So, And then he says, and what's the biggest mercy? What's the biggest rahmah? لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ So all of you can understand. In other words, Allah made it a, a, made a connection between the Qur'an being Arabic and our ability to understand what He's telling us. doesn't matter which nation we come from. He, he made the connection between those two things. Now, why is that connection so significant? Because it is through that divine connection, that language, that our history is mostly a history of non-Arabs that were deeply in love with this book. You guys listen to me give khutbah sometimes on some of you listen to me every week. I give khutbah and I say Alhamdulillahi Khaliqil Wujudi min al Adam. And I never translate it. I'll translate it for you right now because this is related. Alhamdulillah, all praise and gratitude belongs to Allah, the creator of existence out of nothing. And the one who puts light in place from within the depths of darkness. And the one who brings out the ability to persevere from within the pain. Allah is the one who allowed us to experience pain. And even through that pain, He empowered us to have sabr, to persevere through it. And the one who brings you and makes you fall onto repentance from the regret that you feel for the mistakes that you've made. So we thank him over the calamities, the difficult situations that fall on us, the same way we thank him for the blessings that he gives us. And we send salutations and prayers on his most noble messenger, the sharaf al-asham, with the nobility that has the sweetest scent, and the most complete light. And the recipient of the final decisive book. And the perfection and the completion of all the prophets and their seal. Sayyidi waladi Adam, the leader of the children of Adam. The one who Jesus, the son of Mary, gave good news of. And the one who Ibrahim prayed that he should, be, he should rise. When he was raising the foundations of the sacred house. So may Allah's pray, prayer and you know, Allah's you know, blessings be upon our Messenger and his peace. And on all of his followers, the best of all peoples. 
الَّذِينَ بَارَكَ اللَّهُ بِهِمْ كَافَةَ النَّاسِ Because through, through those people, the best of all people, because Allah blessed the rest of humanity through them. الْعَرَبَ مِنْهُمْ وَالْعَجَمْ The Arab among them and the non-Arab. Now what, what I just quoted is actually a praise of Allah written in one of the books of a scholar by the name of Hamiduddin Farahi. And when I read it the first time, I cried my eyes out. Because of what he had written And this is an Indian scholar Of the last century Maybe about 120 years ago Is one of the most remarkable scholars of the Quran What made me cry about that? The fact that he is not an Arab And the first time I used that Arabic khutbah In a masjid It was a mostly Arab community And a bunch of Arab, Iraqi brothers And Jordanian brothers Syrian brothers came up to me Where did you get this from? Who's the author? Who's the sheikh? I said, Rajul Hindi. He's an Indian man. <laughs> because that's a mercy from Allah, that Allah made this language universal. He didn't limit it to an ethnicity. That's a mercy from Allah. The Mufassireen we read, Suhaib and I were reading. I'm going to dedicate a session just to Imam Razi's lament, by the way. That's going to happen. So when I'm done with this session, maybe... Tomorrow I might, might just read his lament Because Imam Fakhruddin al-Razi is not an Arab And you know what? He was writing the tafsir of the surah And while he was writing the tafsir of these surahs Yunus, Hud, you know, Yusuf, etc That's when his son died So he's reading about loss in family And he was suffering the loss of his own child And in the, when he got to the part of the reunion and the sadness He wrote four pages in his tafsir About what he was feeling about sadness in this life and that's another non-Arab that had no civilizational connection to the Arabic language. And the only thing that brought him to this word and made him, inspired him to write something that honestly has still impacted the majority of the Muslim world. Anybody who's anything in the study of Quran and study of tafsir is going to consult Imam Fakhruddin al-Razi in one way or another, even if they don't admit it. But this, this happened because of Allah's mercy. This is This is... You know, so when he says in the beginning, uh, we sent it down as an Arabic Quran, and at the end he says it's not made up speech, it's guidance and mercy, those two things are connected. This is why these connections are important. We read Al-Quran, Yufassiru Ba'duhu Ba'da, Quran explains itself. Let me show you the last part. I said for you to understand, I, some, I wrote, that brief, wrote that briefly because there's not enough room in there. Hopefully you will understand. So that you understand You might understand There are different implications of But notice the, the ending the, On the other side At the end passage is what? For a people who seek to have faith What's the connection between these two phrases? Is there a connection? Absolutely Because you can Let me give you an example You can give somebody a book And say I want you to understand it Because if you understand it You're going to become really good at math a person who doesn't want to become good at math will put no effort in trying to understand it because they're just not interested. You get it? Allah says, I gave you an Arabic Quran so you can understand, but the only people that are going to benefit from this speech that isn't made up are people that actually seek something. They're actually not even seeking understanding. What are they seeking? To strengthen their faith. They're seeking to exhaust their minds Because they want to heal their hearts See the beautiful connection between aql and qalb here Aql in the beginning We gave it in Arabic so you can understand better 
But why do you want to understand? You want to understand because this is for people who want to strengthen their faith, who want to attain faith, who want to maintain faith, who want to acquire faith. And Iman is not just a matter of the mind, it's a matter of the heart. So he tied, our faith is both things, right? The mind and the heart, and they both come together. You know, hearts and minds from the beginning to the end of the surah. And that's a brief correspondence from the opening of Surah Yusuf to the ending of the, the, the last passage. Now, let's go further. So you, I drew that line just so if that wasn't clear enough. So I hope that's clear now. Okay. Now, We tell you the best of all stories. That's in the beginning, right? Now, what is, the, what is there to focus on here? Let's think about that for a moment. What is the emphasis? First of all, نحن, we're the ones who sent it. The emphasis is on the author of the story. The, the emphasis is not just on the one telling you the story, the one who actually authored, not, not in a book or authored characters, authored the design of these human beings and these situations that actually existed. He authored that reality. He's putting himself, I'm telling you what I did. I'm telling you what I laid out with all of my creation in this story. You understand that? So that's emphasis on the author. Then there's نَحْنُ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ أَحْسَنَ الْقَصَةِ This تَقْدِيمَ عَلَيْكَ عَلَيْكَ There's the عَلَيْكَ means onto you, the Prophet So there's an emphasis on the first recipient. Who's the first recipient? The Prophet Then he says هَذَا نَحْنُ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ أَحْسَنَ الْقَصَةِ the best of all stories. So there are three things. There's an emphasis on the author, Allah. There's the emphasis on the first great recipient, the Prophet himself, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So it comes from the greatest source and it comes to the greatest audience. <laughs> right? And then the third greatness, Ahsan al-Qasas, it's the greatest of all stories. The most beautiful of all stories. And the most beautiful way a story can be told. So the greatness of the, the teller, the greatness of the listener, and the greatness of the story itself. All three are in the first mention of Qasas. But I told you before, working backwards in the end, what did we find? لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي قَصَصِهِمْ عِبْرَةٌ الْأَلْبَابِ In their stories, there are lessons that will move to tears. I'm putting words into the word عِبْرَةٌ because it's not loaded. الْأَلْبَابِ For people that have the possessors of sound, pristine minds for people of clear minds. It's so amazing that at the end of this, this, this ayah, ibra means to seek a lesson that moves you emotionally. Lub means aklun salihun khalisun min shawaib, a sound mind free from defects, meaning a very well thought out person. In saying ibratun li ulil albab, Allah again combined the heart and the mind. The hardened, you know, the, the 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 emotional, spiritual component is in the word ibra, and the intellectual component actually is is even more highlighted in ulil albab. But what's the correlation? What did I say about the first al qasas in the beginning? I said the greatest author, the greatest recipient, the first recipient, and the greatest way in which it can be told, right? And now, but he's not the only. Then then the greatest purpose. Okay. We got it. The story is great. The author is great. The hearer is great. What else is so great? Well, let me tell you. The, the, the next thing that's great, the reason all of this even happened is because the purpose is ibra. Ibra means, abara actually means to cross over. So when you cross a river, that's abara. 
and ibra means a tear that you you hear something it that a, a tear crosses over from your eye that's actually called a ibra he says all of this greatness has actually been done so the heart of a believer will shake to the point that a tear rolls down their eye just imagine the value of the tear of a believer and the shaking of the heart of a believer when they hear a lesson from Quran that Allah says that he gave to his messenger the best of all stories for the greatest purpose and what's the greatest purpose ibra but that greatest purpose just because something has a great purpose doesn't mean everybody will acquire that purpose so he says it's not for everyone this is only going to be for people that attain they become people of lub ulul albab those of you that are on bayina tv as a review even before i get here i give an exhaustive lecture on who are the people of albab because that's defined at the end of surah ali imran but anyway i hope you see the connection between uh, you know the 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 second element and the second element working backwards Okay, now the third element in the beginning We're almost there guys And all of this I'm doing for Ayah 102 Which I haven't even come to We're still on 111 <laughs> right? But I'm getting there very quickly Inshallah, I promise Actually, let me, let me see you guys I miss you, let me see Make me, Give me, the, give me mini me Yeah, I'm still here I see you Okay don't fall asleep. Hey, wake up. Okay. So, the third component. بِمَا أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ وَإِن كُنْتَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ لَمِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ Let's see what's happening at the end. I'm only looking at the first box in 102, the, the top one. Okay, we'll, we'll deal with the second one a little bit later. Allah says, listen carefully, أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ In the beginning, in, in section 3 here. أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ we inspired to you. And at the end he says, We inspire to you. Same phrasing. But there's a really interesting difference in tense. In the beginning he said, We inspired to you. Yeah? And now at the end he says, We inspire. In a sense, it's kind of counterintuitive Because when you're about to tell a story You would use the present future tense You would say, we inspire you this story, here it is And after you're done Then you would say, we have inspired you with this story So the past tense is expected at the end And the present future tense is expected in the beginning You understand? But the Qur'an has reversed this in the surah And he says the, the past tense in the beginning We are telling you the best of all stories On account of the Qur'an We have already inspired to you You know As an addendum And part, part of the Qur'an That we have already inspired to you And at the end he says These are from the news of the unseen That we reveal to you in other words, he switched the roles, causing us to contemplate on the tense usage here. In the beginning, the tense usage perhaps suggesting that if you understand, this story will stand unique to all the Qur'an that has been revealed up until now. And it does stand unique. Nation after nation after nation has been talked about in previous surahs. And what happens to those nations? They get destroyed. And then you come to Surah Yusuf, and the nation is redeemed in the end. Evildoers are falling to destruction. And never changing their ways And evildoers in Surah Yusuf Are redeeming themselves So 
you know, there's there's a there's a unique quality to this. Then at the end, nuhihi ilayk, as if Allah is saying, we are giving this to you, but we're not done giving you. There's more. There's more news of the unseen coming your way. And interestingly enough, some of the news that will come to him is going to be Quran. Some other news of the unseen is going to be the Quraysh are scheming to kill you. You need to leave Medina. You need to leave Mecca. And he's going to know before they do what they do, even though he's not there when that scheme happens, he's going to know and he's going to make his secret escape to Medina. <clears throat> Isn't that incredible? Because what did Allah tell him about his brothers? Brothers of Yusuf, you weren't there when they were making this scheme. So anyway, ذَلِكَ مِنْ أَنْبَاءِ الْغَيْبِ نُحِيهِ إِلَيْكَ Okay. Interestingly, there's a, for those of you that are interested in the grammar portion of this, بِمَا أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ suggests that this surah or the, what's being given is a subset of the larger revelation. And at the end also, ذَلِكَ مِنْ أَنْبَاءِ الْغَيْبِ The min, this is from the news of the unseen. This is out of the news of the unseen being inspired to you. Is again a subset of the larger revelation. In the beginning, he used the, the, the pointer, Hada. He said, Hada al Quran. This recitation, this, you know, this recital that's being engaged, this, these words that are coming out of the Prophet's mouth وسلم, that he's reciting. So, Hada al Quran. Contrasted with at the end, Dalika. Hada contrasted with Dalika, that. This here and that over there. Because the word that was appropriate because it's coming from the unseen, which is a long ways away. As if to correspond between the two, just because Muhammad is in front of you, he's feet away from you, you can hear his, he's so close to you, you can hear his voice when the words come out of his mouth. Those words traveled a long distance from the unseen to be able to come out of his mouth. So there's a there's the seen and the unseen merged together here. The scene is Muhammad is speaking. The unseen is, it's the news coming from the unseen that is being inspired to him. And both of them are merged. And it's actually even reminding me of a scene in the surah where at the scene level, Yusuf is being tossed like garbage into a well. And at the same time, Allah is revealing to him, you will be telling them about this one day. So two, the, the unseen is happening and the scene is happening at the same time and they can even look opposite. He's speaking to them and they're not even listening. And the next ayah is going to say, they don't even listen to you. Most people, no matter how hard you try, they won't believe. And the irony that the most precious words are coming to you from the heavens on high and they don't care to listen. As if this is worthless. It's not worth their time. They got other things to do. They're too busy. Or they, you know, this, this is a waste of their time. So then look at this correlation. I love this correlation. This is the one that hit me so hard. In the beginning, he says, Certainly, you were from among those who had no clue. You were completely unaware. And he echoes that phrase and says, And by the way, speaking of unaware, you were completely unaware when they gathered their resolve. You weren't there. When they gathered their resolve Isn't that continuation of what was said in the beginning? You were unaware You weren't there That's why you're unaware Because you weren't there When they gathered their resolve As they were making their schemes And my favorite of all favorites Before now we end, we're about to talk about the ayah now. It's not going to take long Because I laid the groundwork for you now But look at this In the beginning 
وَإِن كُنْتَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ لَمِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ إِذْ Certainly you were from those who were unaware when Yusuf said to his father, I saw 11 stars, the sun and the moon. There was a when. You were unaware before this, and especially when, there's a when continuity. Look at the ending. You weren't there when they were making their scheme. When they gathered their resolve, when they made their scheme. And I'm going to emphasize that inshallah, but I just wanted to show you kind of what's happened here, and then we can get out of the screen and you can zoom back in on me. So, but, but let's talk about that here. There were three components in the beginning, but actually you see four boxes, right? And in the in, in the um, on the other side, there's only three boxes. So one of the boxes is not being connected. You see that, right? So if I were to color the black, or call the black boxes A and then B and then C, then the uh, the beginning is, you know, A B C and the end is C B A. It's like that, or A B C C B A. They're reverse ordered. You can see that, right? They're mirroring each other. But that doesn't explain the portion 102 to what? 110. Or 103 to 110, that middle portion. What's that doing there? That is Allah. As uh, I'm going to keep that as a little bit of a surprise, actually. I don't want to open that up right now. But that is a noticeable difference from the beginning and the end. And it's calling our attention. Because it's not a review of something that was said in the surah anywhere else. It's kind of standing on its own. right? And it's placement is actually strategic. Everything else in the surah has been extremely strategic. So nothing is out of place. So if Allah put it there, He put it there for a particular reason. And we're going to try to explore that reason. But now you can come out of this uh, the screen stuff. I hope you guys, I didn't lose you entirely. I think it was okay. Now let's talk about this and why, why I did all this exercise anyway. So look. The reason I did this entire exercise today is I asked myself this really hard question that I actually didn't find a, a satisfying answer to. And the question was, Allah says that all of what He just told the Prophet, the whole story, all of its scenes, is from the news of the unseen. Now, first of all, when you and I think of the unseen, what do we think of? We think of angels, we think of the afterlife, we think of you know, uh, Allah Azza wa Jalla Himself, we think of heaven and hell, we think of judgment day. These are the things we think of when we think of the unseen. Allah is expanding our scope of how to think about the unseen. World history that is erased from record and the only witness to it is Allah Himself is also news of the unseen. What happens with people in the privacy of their homes is also news of the unseen. You know, with the people of the cave, nobody knew what really happened with them. The legends about them twisted the story this way, that way, and the other way. And the only real witness to what actually happened was Allah. So he says, We're the ones that are going to tell you their story, truthfully. Why, why us? Because nobody else can tell you, because nobody else was there, I was. I'll tell you what really happened. <laughs> so this... Okay, Allah is saying that entire history of Yusuf, of Yaqub, of his brothers, of the king, of the dream of the king, of the, the two inmates in, in prison, of the wife of the minister, of the minister himself, of the guys that bought him and sold him, all of that is unseen to us. And unseen to the Prophet, I mean, he has no access to biblical record. They don't sit there and talk to him about the story of Joseph or none, none of that stuff. 
He has no access to any of this stuff. And all, and even if he did, the story that he's been given is so different from the biblical account, which I demonstrated very clearly. So if somebody says, oh, he got it from the Bible, um, you could do a PhD on how he did not get it from the Bible. That, that's what you could <laughs> clearly do, right? So it's from it's coming from the unseen, inspired to you. But then what did Allah do? You could expect Allah to say, and you weren't there when Yusuf saw the dream. You weren't there when Yusuf told his father. Because in the beginning of the story, when Allah says, you were unaware when Yusuf said to his father, I saw 11 stars, the sun and the moon. That was the opening scene. So when we concluded, I expected a correspondence with the opening scene and Allah reinforcing to the Prophet ﷺ, telling him, and by the way, just like I told you in the beginning, you were completely unaware when Yusuf said to his father, I saw 11 stars, the sun and the moon. At the end I will tell you, you weren't there when Yusuf said that to him. Instead, Allah switched from Yusuf and his father to what? To his brothers. One, the most direct review of it is, you weren't there when they were gathering, when they were making their schemes. This is a literary marvel of the Qur'an to me. Why? Allah said in the opening passage, as he was introducing this story, he said something really interesting. He said, لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي يُوسُفَ وَإِخْوَتِهِ آيَاتُ لِسَائِلِينَ In Yusuf and his brothers, there are ayat for people who ask questions. Let me repeat that. In Yusuf and his brothers. So we should contemplate what happens with Yusuf what Yusuf does, we should also contemplate what happens with the brothers and what they do and what they say, which is what we've been doing. But doing that becomes a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ because in the beginning, he was told to contemplate Yusuf. You were unaware when Yusuf said his dream. And at the end, you weren't there when his brothers were scheming. Now contemplate who? The brothers. So the, the ayah was لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي يُوسُفَ وَإِخْوَتِهِ And now you get Yusuf in the beginning and إِخْوَتِهِ at the end. Ayatul <laughs> لِسَّائِلِينَ Starting with our messenger himself وسلم, even he's being told first and foremost you weren't there when that happened. Then coming to as, as the story comes to a close And this is the only ayah, right? And when I, when I designed that entire layout for you There were three sections And in the first section is only this ayah It's only this ayah And then there's this other passage that seems unrelated About how hopeless the Quraysh are, remember? Allah took that one moment Which is when the brothers were making schemes Against their innocent brother And He took that ayah, that scene and he particularly made the Prophet contemplate that because the rest of these ayat from 103 to 110 are going to be about his brothers who keep on making schemes against their innocent, noble brother Muhammad Rasulullah And he is to learn that sometimes people who you have loved, you have done nothing wrong to, you are family to them, are going to be the worst to you. So he's being given the peace that he needs to understand the rest. I told you I'll tell you that later, but it had to come up now. So you see what's happening in 103 to 110 is actually Allah telling him 
how the story of the brothers relates to the Prophet's situation. Why the brothers think of the brothers as you read the rest of this. You weren't with them when they gathered their when they gathered their resolve as they were making their schemes. And most people, no matter how hard you how badly you want it, will not believe. You're dealing with your own stubborn brothers. You're dealing with people that you want good for and they don't want good for you. They're just not turning around. And maybe you start thinking as you hear Yusuf, his brother's scheme, but years later, maybe they came around, right? Unless saying, well, for now, it doesn't matter. Most people are not going to turn like that. Don't worry about most people. That You need to see them change. That's not going to happen. And if, if it does happen, that's going to happen by the will of Allah, and then that's going to come later on, you know? But this is a, it's such a beautiful, necessary component of studying the Qur'an is to understand how things are tied to each other. The opening of this ayah, when Allah said, Al-Qur'an, at the end He said, Amba'ul Ghaib. This is also a key to understanding the Qur'an. The, one of its names is the Qur'an, and the other is Min Amba'il Ghaib. This is from the news of the unseen, meaning the Quran is going to tell us things that we could not possibly have known. The Quran will never spend time telling us things that are too obvious, that you could figure out on your own. Anything human beings can figure out on their own, the Quran is not going to tell you because Allah gave you an intellect for that. The Quran is for things you couldn't possibly have access to, things you absolutely needed, and you needed divine intervention and teaching for. This is min amba'il ghaib nuhi. And, and what's the, the unseen news here? You need to know that you weren't there when they schemed against Yusuf, and you need to know you're not going to be there when they, your people scheme against you as they're scheming. And you can want good for them like Yusuf wants good for his brothers. At the end of it all, he still just wants them to become better. All of it. And it's, it's mimicking the sentiments, the feelings of Rasulullah from the very beginning. From the very beginning. May Allah Azza wa Jalla give us a better and better understanding of the Quran and make us love the Quran as the day, the hours and the days pass by our lives. And may Allah Azza wa Jalla make this Quran a testimony in our favor and not a testimony against us on Judgment Day. Barakallahu li wa lakum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Okay, okay, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta.